Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. And um, so if you got, if you only put $10 in your basket and you got away with it, this would be the last week you're going to be forgiven. <laughs> Next week you're supposed to, we're not going around to collect any more loonies this week, but if next week bring $11, that's going to be tough to remember that, that change. Anyhow, we're, try it on for size and see if you can get away with $10 next week. I mean, uh, bring 11 So what's coming up in our next sessions? They're actually, uh, next week is the end of AIDS, moving towards an AIDS-free generation. The speaker is Charlene Davidson. Uh, the executive director of the Lethbridge HIV Connection, and she's had a lot of experience in the British Columbia prison system, etc. A very knowledgeable person. She's going to be here next week at our regular time. And the uh, moderator is Jen Prosser. Tonight, there's a couple of sessions since we uh, do tell you on the SACPA uh, um, mail-in list, if you're on the, the mailing list, you, you get announcements about things that aren't specifically SACPA sessions, but there are two of particular interest, This uh, one this evening and one tomorrow at noon that are at the university. They're not directly SACPA events, but um, Dr. Izeldin Abulesh, um, the Gaza doctor, will be speaking this evening at 7.30 p.m. in the Phys Ed Building, room 250. So that's tonight. And tomorrow... At noon, University Library, room L1102, 1102 in the library. Uh, Professor Henning Borland, the Canada Research Chair in Water Policy and Management, Department of Economics at the University of Lethbridge, presents Issues and Challenges in Alberta Water Policy. So that's tomorrow at noon to 1.30 in L1102. And then a couple of weeks from now, we want to give you some uh, advance warning that, uh, or advance notice that there's a topic interrogating disability, the decomposition of a recovering Paralympian. Um, Danielle Pierce will be here to speak about that, and that's on uh, Monday, October 1st, in room PE 250 at First Choice uh, Building at the University of Lethbridge. So those are four upcoming events. And for today, we'll just get back to our regular business in just a moment and have a question period. We uh, remind you that uh, the sessions are on uh, radio and um, to our listeners at uh, the radio station at U of L, just cKxu.com or 88.3 FM. They, uh, they'll be covering both the, uh, the talk and the question period on the radio. We have a suggestion box that uh, outside in the lobby, if you have suggestions for upcoming topics or comments you'd like to make to SACB about how we're doing with giving you uh, topics and so on, please use that. Um, now we're going to open the, the mic for questions, and as usual, keep your comments of introduction fairly brief and limit yourself to one or two questions using the, the microphone over here on uh, your left, my right. And if you would just return to your seat after you've asked a question, and we're ready with our first questioner. So, Sandy, please come back up. 
Ter Terry Shillington. Hi, Terry. Thank you, Sandy, for your presentation and uh, some of the practical, hopeful stuff you shared. I'd like to question you about a, about a political issue that you just brushed on the way by. At least I, I thought I heard you brushing it. Uh -huh. um, there's quite a debate going on about, uh, politically about a carbon tax versus cap and trade, and I hear the Conservatives have, uh, would say they've moved to a sector-by-sector -sector approach. Uh, I don't even understand how cap-and-trade works. I understand less how it would uh, help the environment any. Uh, do you have an opinion about a carbon tax uh, and cap-and-trade uh, as a, at, at the macro-political level? I think as far as cap-and-trade goes, uh, I'm not sure that's the option to go. I think there's a lot of detail in there and it could be uh, a bit of an issue trying to, trying to manage something like that. But something that's a little bit easier is the climate, uh, the citizens' climate lobby, where they're uh, taxing the producers and then passing a dividend on to the to the end user, and a simpler, easier method, but still encouraging us to move away from uh, from a carbon-based economy and renewables. So uh, that's pretty much all I can say. I don't really know all that much about the political part of the cap and trade but from what I've heard it's it's kind of a it's a quite a few issues on how to manage that my name is Knut Peterson <coughs> Sandy thanks for your presentation Thank you. and for you for coming down from Calgary um, I'm a little concerned about food availability, uh, not so much right here in Latvia, of course, and may maybe not so much in the Western world, but as the price of food goes up, <coughs> we can adjust by, you know, eating spaghetti, uh, eating something pretty cheap yeah. that we can easily afford. Uh, many parts of the world, they don't have that option. They're 90% of them earnings go towards sustaining themselves. So those are the places that really is going to feel this, uh, what's coming on. I uh, wonder if you can expand a little bit upon that. Yeah. Uh, in North America, we spend about 12% of our disposable income on food. And as you were saying, some countries like Indonesia, they're up to maybe 45% or so. Um, these things... In a Western world, we're still going to have to deal with rising food prices. And you're right, it won't be as impactful on us as, let's say, uh, sub-Saharan Africa, where they're already down. But uh, there are some encouraging things as far as you know, permaculture. I know somebody that's now in Malawi working with locals there to help develop permaculture, permanent culture, or how to... Uh, bio-mimic nature, if you will, to grow foodstuffs. Um, and this can come to the cities as well. I mean, these are, these are skills that, that people all know. We know how to grow things. The seeds want to grow. It's just a matter of actually doing it. So education is the key, once again. And the sooner we get on this, the easier it will be for those shocks, food shocks. Yeah.
My name is uh, Jim Moyer. Thank you for your presentation. Thank you. I have a bit of concern with, you talked about rain barrels. Yeah. I have a bit of concern with those. For one thing, um, well, studies were done in the research station here a few years ago. One thing, there's pesticides in the rainwater. <clears throat> I'm not so concerned about that because we have a lot of information on the toxicity of those. But I have a rain barrel myself, and I know there's and an asphalt roof. Yes. And I only use that water to water my flowers. I don't right. put any of it on vegetables because I'm sure there's all kinds of hydrocarbons in there, yeah. aromatic chemicals yes. like benzene, polyaromatics, yes. all that kind of stuff. When I run it in my, my watering can, I can see it foam up, so I know it's not pure water. Right. Do you have a concern with those? I do have a concern, and I, I think I have a solution as well. There's something called the first flush system. And once again, out of Australia, and it's basically like a, a box, if you will. Water comes in there, and it takes, you know, if you have an asphalt roof, all those little pieces of asphalt that come out in, all the uh, bird, uh, for lack of a better expression, doo-doo, uh, will go in there. And then it takes the first five or six liters and runs it off, uh, into, which you can use in your flowers, so you don't want to waste that water as well. And... You can also put, you know, filters in there as well. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what kinds, but uh, I'm sure that we can get uh, rid of a lot of those chemicals before they go in into that uh, water supply. And even if you weren't drinking it and you put it on your plants, your plants have a way of, of cleansing that as well, right? They want to protect the seeds and that so the, the toxins may be held up in roots rather than in, in leaves and things that we're eating, depending on what it is. Thank you very much for your presentation. My name is Tad Mitsui. My question is, what to do with cynics? <laughs> whom you cannot convince. They say, eat, drink, and tomorrow we all die. Yes. Uh, we may die, well, we're going but, to uh, <laughs> you know, as a species, but planet uh, will survive. Planet true. went through a lot of things, ice age, Volcanic eruption, all kinds of things. Yes. Don't worry about planet. Yeah. We'll die anyway. But next planet, phase of planet will be something else. Right. So don't worry about planet. We die anyway. What do you do with them? Well, all you can do is, you know, give them the science. This is where we're going. And what can we do? Instead of all dying off, can we do something to help reduce population? And we're at 7 billion now, heading to 9 billion by 2050. Is there a way that we can slow the population growth down so that we don't meet that ultimate crash? And if we continue going the way we are going, uh, it will happen. And is there a way that we can make this easier on, on humans by doing some planning? Planning for the inevitable, you know, a warming climate, but reducing our numbers is very important. So there's ways to do that. And, and in Africa, it's education, right? <laughs> Educating the women has lowered birth rates in, in Africa. So, Oh, my name is Bob Adams, and I, you could probably call me one of those cynics. But, I, you know, you hear so many numbers float around from both sides. And what I'm wondering, you know, you had some numbers up there. And uh, there's always something to dispute them now. Who do you That's believe right. now these, nowadays? Because there's no doubt in my mind 
something has to be done, but is yes. it is it as serious as a lot of people say or what? You know, because yeah. there's a lot of confusing stuff out there now, right now, and where do you go? That's the it's thing. That's true. I have to rely on the best science we have. And the inter- Intergovernmental uh, Panel on Climate Change, to me, has the, the best numbers. Uh, and they don't do any research themselves, but they, they review peer uh, peer review reports, and of the climate scientists that they're out, thousands of them, 97% believe that climate change is anthropogenic and that it's happening now. There's a division of those scientists that say, we have to do stuff now. We are underestimating the effects of climate change, and we need to make bolder statements, but the IPCC has been really quite... Uh, let's say, not as aggressive as they could be in trying to convey this information. They've been very, you know, uh, uh, conservative, if you will, in their estimates. And that's one of the, one of the things that uh, people are actually not all that happy about. And then there's the other uh, portion of those scientists that think we're not doing enough quick enough. And there's going to be some, from, from what I've studied, there's going to be some, some huge changes in the last half of this century unless we make, take some changes right now to do what we can to, to mitigate climate change. My name's Robert Smith. My name's Robert Smith. Um, are you familiar with the recent research that came out of the University of California, I believe it's Berkeley, funded by the Koch brothers? Uh, you know, I just know that they're climate change deniers. <laughs> well, I'm not, okay. I'm not I was going to ask. Yeah. I'm not so. familiar with them. I'm sorry. Okay. I'll, I'll learn, though. I will find out what it is about. Sandy, I'll ask you a, a question while we wait for another question to go to the microphone. Um, I admire, it's sort of on Tad's question about the cynics and... Um, what do we do with getting people going about this? I find sometimes in Alberta we're so um, pro-fossil fuel and we get an awful lot of our revenues all on that. We're, we've got a, uh, quite a, ta- a conflict of interest in Alberta to be concerned about some of the issues you're talking about. So you live in um, prime petro country in Calgary. Uh, how are you going to – if you really wanted to get a whole bunch of people in – uh, a lot of those suburbs in Calgary to start growing things in their small backyards. Um, what are you going to have to do to get that through city council? or uh, do you, How will you promote that to get people enthused? Because, uh, like Tad, I'm a little uncertain about gonna, how are you going to get their attention in Calgary to actually do this? Well, Tom, you're right. Calgary, is, it's a pretty tough road to hoe, and I get beat up every day, not physically, but, <laughs> you know... Um, it seems to be all about the oil, but there are a lot of people that are well-informed and they know what's going on. And, you know, uh, I mean, when I went to the city uh, to apply for the license, they were, they were very uh, receptive of it. They just didn't know how, how to go about it. And, and so I think that once, and then now it's made it easier for other people to come along and, and do this. It's supporting you know, youth employment, you can get people to do that. You could have people from the drop-in center, the DI, or the, that could be farming um, lands that are, uh, you know, city, that belong to the city, or even um, access lands uh, that are owned by the province, you know, underneath power lines, for instance, that's all governed by the province. 
and you could have, you could create a whole lot of employment, create healthy food, and I, I see it see as a positive all the way around, and and, and employment for all kinds of mentally handicapped uh, could be uh, uh, out there because it's really it really I don't know if you work in a garden, but you know how it, how you feel when you do that. It's great stuff, so it's a, a really a positive I think, and it, it's hard to get through to skeptics, but. When they actually see it happening, I think, and you can show examples, uh, then it might help. Bev Mendel-Atherstone, thank you for your talk. <clears throat> I just wanted to let you know that some of the things you talked about are happening right here in Lethbridge. Um, at the Lethbridge College, there is uh, quite a quite a large uh, aquaponics um, with fish yeah. and... Um, all kinds of vegetables being grown, and actually we could go there during the summer and buy the vegetables that are grown um, above the fish. Also, Park Place Mall, uh, which is the largest mall in Lethbridge, has a rooftop garden, and it was just given um, an award for being the, uh, I guess, the... Greenest building. The greenest building, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you talked about the vertical farms, I know that there are vertical farms currently operating in the Netherlands with um, cows, cow, actual cows in them. In high-rises? Yeah, yeah these are these yeah. high-rise vertical farms with cows. And, wow. and uh, I don't know how many, how many stories tall. I think it's eight to ten stories. But, of course, they have the, the animals on the lower levels. Yeah. Um, I guess... I guess the biggest problem I see is our government, uh, in particular the Harper government, as he likes to call himself. We, we need a lot of research. We need all kinds of research for the, the growing climate catastrophe that we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg right now. And maybe that's not a very apt metaphor because the icebergs are going very quickly. Uh, Henning just was reminding me today that this year... Uh, a piece of ice came off the um, the North Pole, the size of the size of Alberta. So um, we're we're seeing th this is going faster than anyone anyone predicted. It's at the same time when the research scientists all, all over Canada have been um, um, their jobs have been taken away, and so we're. When, as the climate, as the earth warms and we get warmer in the north, we're, we still have our short growing, uh, short days, so we're not going to have crops that are developed specifically for this kind of area. Um, we're going to need all kinds of research into what is, what is happening and how we can resolve these climate issues. And yet, we've cut back on all the scientists. So I feel that our government is going in exactly the wrong direction to, to be able to to help us mitigate these effects or deal with the effects when they come. Your comments. Yeah. I can't really mention specific parties, uh, but I know we know who they are. <laughs> and the only thing we can do is let them know with our vote. And that's, you know, that's really the only thing we can do is contact them. I mean, and I'm, I'm talking about actually going and marching, you know, like... Protesting. What can we do to get to get the word out to them? Um, you know, a whole lot of gray hair protesting at the White House made a difference. So perhaps we can do that. 
organized. You've got to let them know how we feel, right? The only value, the only thing we have is our vote, really. And so we have to stand together on that and make sure that they know that climate change is, is important to us. It's a lot of times not even being mentioned. So it's up to us to take the steps necessary to start and let them know how we feel. That's all we can do. Thank you very much for your talk. My name is Frances Schultz. I just wanted to, your, your reaction to two dichotomies that I see happening. We have the federal dichotomy of money being expended to try and find the Franklin expedition that got trapped in ice while we reduce the funding for climate change research coming out of that level of government. And then in Calgary, uh, yes, there's a dichotomy with city council because they were willing to let you grow plants, but they're not willing to let anybody have chickens. Yeah, you're absolutely right uh, about that. Uh, uh, phew, that's a tough one. It, I a, mean, humorous right, me, a humorous I, remark is that they're chicken. They are chicken. <laughs> are, are, are. But a boom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cutting funding uh, for uh, uh, it's uh, it's an embarrassment, really. Uh, well, once again, what can we do? Uh, we can let them know that this is important to us, and and wait for that ne next election and uh, and and see what happens there. We we need to let them know it's important. You guys are really well informed. I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah, I'm impressed. You're you're you know what's going on. That's great. Thanks very much for your uh, presentation. My name is John Warren. Um, okay, I'm one of the uh, uninformed people here. Could you tell me how you see the world um, exist, not existing, but what the world will be like um, when your grandson becomes my age? Um, yeah. uh, so uh, maybe 60, 70 years from now, um, what, what do you think the world will be like if we don't take the, the uh, steps that you're suggesting? Yeah, I, I, you know, I wish I could be a little more positive and optimistic. If we don't take the steps that uh, we need to take, I can see, um, you know, basically uh, civilization. There may be some civilization that will survive, but it won't be anything like what we have now. If we, if we, you know, they have sunk money. These oil companies have sunk money, and they are investing in all this oil that's yet out of the ground. And if they get that out and burn it all, uh, we're looking at um, perhaps a, a global temperature rise of, you know, four to six degrees. And we're already seeing at one degree we're seeing some issues. And I think that if we get to six degrees by, let's say, the end of the century, we're going to see massive crop failures, and um, it'll be some big changes. And I, I don't think that we, you know, civilization can survive the way it has been now. That's just from the reading that I've done, and from. But the positive thing is that we we're not there yet, and we can make a difference. Hi, my name is Mark Gettle. <coughs> And I'm wondering if you know about the Generate Choice program that NMAX is running, putting up solar panels and yes. residential roofs. Yes. And I was just wondering how it's uh, going on in Calgary, because I can say in Lethbridge there's not one solar panel that's been up. 
Okay. And that's because there's an impasse between our licensing department here uh, and NMAX, yeah. where they are uh, wanting a engineer certificate for every roof that is going to have a solar panel. Whereas I believe Red Deer, Medicine Hat, uh, Calgary, Edmonton have had hundreds, if not, I don't know how many of the yeah. other solar panels put in. But I think I've been um, trying to inquire about that, and I think the impasse now has been sort of solved, and I think that the solar panels are now going to start being put up in Lethbridge, but I'm not sure. So I'm just wondering, in Calgary, do you know how many solar panels have been put up? Yeah, I, went to a pro I went to a presentation um, uh, with the Sustainable Renewable Energy Meetup Group, and uh, that was some time ago, about a year ago, and there was a fellow from NMAX there and explained the whole program. I had them come out and do a quote on the house, and at that time, what they do is they put that, you pay a rent on it, you pay an installation fee, and then you pay a monthly rate, right? And I worked it out, and in my case, it, was, it would have been cheaper to, to just buy the uh, thing and have it installed rather than rent it from them. But there's advantages of having it, you know, uh, uh, when you rent it, because they will replace it when it gets worn out and all that stuff. I, I can't, and I'm, I'm going to be going to one of these meetups uh, next month, I can let you know from there, but I don't know how many. I, and I'm not seeing thousands of light or of uh, solar panels on roofs as I drive around. And I'm paying attention, right? I'm trying to see these and scout them out. So uh, I haven't seen an explosion of solar panels yet. Uh, but to answer your question, I can't answer your question because I don't know. Um, I have one question. We're just about out of question time. If anybody wants to go to the mic, then you've got priority over uh, the moderator asking a question. So please go to the mic right away. Uh, I'm wondering when you were gathering at uh, being trained by Al Gore and company there, um, did you have a caucus of Canadians? Like I'm, you said in your final uh, principles and stuff that we can't do this alone. Right. I agree wholeheartedly. But when you start to look around, then who can you be in coalition with? Um, Two-point question. Do we have Albertans that you met um, at the Al Gore session? Do we have Canadians from all provinces? And is there any sense that they're going to be in continual contact with each other? Yes. We, we have the Climate Reality Project has a website. And we there's a learning center there. And we can uh, um, get together and online and... In Alberta, we have um, Laurie Harmison from Coalhurst, and we have four other uh, people that have been trained in Calgary, oddly enough. Uh, none from Edmonton or uh, any other uh, little, on this particular training, but there are others from Alberta. Uh, the last training, well, there was 110 people, I think, from Canada in, on this, uh, this last training from uh, all provinces. Yes, uh, many from BC, lots from uh, Quebec, uh, two for sure from Newfoundland. Uh, I'm not sure about, uh, I don't think of New Brunswick, but for the most part, there was 110 people and 800 people from around the globe. So it's well represented and we are connected. There is a Canadian uh, contingency and we have mentors that we can contact. And I'm arranging a meeting with Calgary presenters and, and if Lori wants to come, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll contact her as well. And just so we can support each other and, and find out how we can help each other uh, get this word out, because it needs to happen. My name is Barbara Warren. My, one of my things, questions I have to you is, how are you going to get businesses involved? Because look around here. 
We can't do it alone. That's and true. you already said that. Yeah. And it's the businesses that are often leaving the bad footprints. Yes. Well, not all of us are, um, are motivated by, um, uh, you know, the, the wanting to do good. Uh, there are some, motiv- some people are motivated by profit. And there's ways that you can make profit uh, from ecological sound practices in business. There's a group called B Corporations, uh, you know, be the best. And in their mandate, in their, their charter, one of the things they have to do is have a benefit, a positive benefit. And so what we can do is search them out. This is a new thing that's coming up, B Corporations. And we can support them by buying their products and helping that whole movement change. Uh, there's a buck to be made in, in environmental stuff, for sure. So that's how we can approach that and, and for them to move it along. Okay, I think we've reached the end of our uh, session. So would you give a round of applause for Sandy? Thanks very much for coming, Sandy. Thank you. Thanks, Bob.